The following message is from Hope Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. More information about Hope Church can be found at hopechurchonline.com. I want to put a verse of scripture up on the screen, and I want to begin today by having us together out loud read this verse of scripture. It's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. So I'm going to let you get focused on it, and we're going to read it together out loud. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God. The writer of Hebrews used a couple of words to kind of begin that sentence. The Word of God is living. That means that what we have here in our Bibles, the Word of God, is not just a collection of ancient writings. What we have is the living Word of God. And then the writer of Hebrews said that this word is not just living, it is active. Say that out loud. Active. In the Greek language, which is what the book of Hebrews was written in, that word active is the word energase. We get an English word from it. It's the word energy. The word of God is living and it is energy. It's powerful. One Writer says that that word energase could be defined as capable of doing. Here's what he's saying the word of God is living and powerfully active in our lives. I love the way R. Kent Hughes describes that phrase. He said it this way God's word vibrates with active, effectual power as it rushes to fulfill the purpose for which it was spoken. The Word of God. If you're visiting with us at Hope, We are on a journey together through the book of Psalms. All summer long, we have been reading together through the book of Psalms. If if you're just joining us, it's not too late. You can jump into the reading plan. It's on our webpage, hopechurchonline.com. You can go. You can catch up with the messages. But for 17 weeks, we set aside to read through the entire 
book of Psalms together through the summer. And we've been daily digging through the Psalms. And what a treasure chest of God's Word the book of Psalms is. Amen. What a, what a treasure chest as we've been able to walk through this together. But this week you came to the 119th Psalm. Some of you have been fearfully awaiting the 119th Psalm because you were afraid we were going to give you that to read in one day, right? And you were thinking, man, 119, that's a big psalm, right? Over 170 verses in the 119th Psalm alone. So what we did this week, four days this week, we've been walking through just Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And we've been together for four days, if you've been following along. If you were following along this morning, you finished the 119th Psalm, and all God's people said, Amen, right? You brought the 119th Psalm to an end. But what's interesting about Psalm 119 is that this chapter of the Bible explodes with language about the activity of God's Word in our lives. What the writer of Hebrews wrote about in Hebrews chapter 4, the Word is living and active. As you read Psalm 119, this psalm just is exploding with language about all that the Word of God does and accomplishes in our lives. This week, I brought several of the pastors into a study room that we have and some whiteboards on the wall in that room. And we took a few hours and we just took the 119th Psalm and we just kind of took it apart. We, we for a few hours, just walked through the 119th Psalm and we wrote down on these boards around the room everything that we could identify in Psalm 119 that was a statement about the activity of the Word of God in our lives. And by the time we were done, man, the boards were just, we were writing in what you would call fine print, right? I mean, we were just, to, just to get one more up on the board. We identified about 60 or so different phrases just in the 119th Psalm that describe the activity of God through His Word in our lives. So today, I have 60 plus points in my sermon. No, I'm just kidding. We realized after we walked through that exercise and we saw the walls covered with all of these statements about the Word of God, hey, there's no way that we can do all 60 of these in one week. So this weekend and next weekend, I'm going to be pulling these truths out of Psalm 119. So today there are only 30-something points. No, I'm just kidding, right? You're thinking, man, he usually has three to five, and it's like forever. I can't imagine 30. So here's what we did. We knew you couldn't digest that in one setting. So we took those 60-plus statements, and we just kept trying to boil them down into some real teachable points. Obviously, this is not going to be an exhaustive list. But this weekend and next weekend, I want to give you eight defining statements about the activity of the Word of God in our lives. So if you're ready for it, say amen. amen. All right, here's number one. God's Word promises me God's favor. 
God's word promises me God's favor. Say that out loud with me. God's word promises me God's favor. Let me show it to you. Psalm 119, the very first two verses. This is the promise that the 119th Psalm opens with. Look at Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who, listen, walk in the law of the Lord. Now, before I read the second verse, let me say this. As you read the 119th Psalm, you're going to see the Word of God called His law, His precepts, His teaching, His commandments, His insights, His Word, All of these different phrases we're going to read, but they're all referring to the Word of God because His teaching, His insights, His commandments, His laws, all of that is contained for us in the Word of God. So as you read the 119th Psalm, when you read who walk in the law of the Lord, that is a reference for us to what we would call the Word of God. So let's read verse 2. How blessed are those who observe His, say the next word, Testimonies, that's another word speaking to the word of God. It's his testimonies who seek him with all their heart. Psalm 119 opens with this phrase, how blessed. Now, that should be a little bit familiar because when we started in Psalm 1 verse 1, the psalm opens, the book of Psalms, it opens this exact same way, how blessed. Blessed, the word blessed here is a Hebrew word that literally could be translated, oh, the happiness. And it's a word that embraces all that would constitute real joy, real happiness, real contentment, real satisfaction in life. The psalmist is declaring to us the possibility of a life that enjoys the blessing and favor of of God. How many of you today would like to live a life enjoying the blessing and favor of God? Let me see your hand, right? I mean, some of you couldn't wait to get your hand up, right? I'm in. I want that. I want to enjoy the blessing and the favor. Well, here's what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, that's possible. You and I can live a life enjoying God's blessing and God's favor. But it's conditional. I want you to hear that. It's conditional. Why is that important to understand? Because some of us get the attitude sometimes, well, I'm a Christian. God, why is this going on in my life? You owe me. Listen, the Bible promises that we can enjoy the blessing and favor of God, but the Bible's very specific that that promise is conditional. Look at the two phrases that are conditional phrases. How blessed are those, he says in verse 1, who walk in the law of the Lord. In verse 2, how blessed are those who observe his testimony. How blessed are those who walk in his law. How blessed are those who observe his testimony. The word walk here is a word that just describes the basic idea of movement. 
And it's describing the way that we live our lives. Here's what verse 1 says. How blessed are those who live within the boundaries of the law of God. When we live within the boundaries and the limitations of the law of God, here's what God's word says, blessed. Then he says those who observe his testimonies. The word observe means to to keep the truths of God in action and in mind. The psalmist is describing someone who walks within the boundaries and limits of the law of God and according to his direction. I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that the only way to enjoy God's favor and God's blessing is to obey God's law? That doesn't sound fun at all. You know why we think that? Because we misunderstand the law of God. You see, we hear the word law or commandment. And we think somehow that that is some strict, strange rule that God created to rob us of the real joy and pleasure that you could experience in life were it not just for these old stodgy things called God's law. But the word law here is the Hebrew word. You're probably familiar with this. It's the word Torah. And that word Torah is a word that comes from a verb that means to teach. The law of God is God's Instruction. The commandments of God are God's instructions for you and I if we want to enjoy life to the fullest. Listen, this is not a book of rules and regulations that God gave us to rob you of the joy and pleasure that you could experience in life. Let me tell you what this is. This is a how-to manual from the one that created life that's saying, if you want to know how to get the most, if you want to squeeze every bit of the essence out of living, here's how to do it. God gave us his word with these instructions. Now, here's what that changes about our perspective towards his word. When God says, don't do that, you know what he's really saying? Don't hurt yourself. You see, God created life. And God knows when we step outside those boundaries and parameters that he gave us that that only brings destruction and pain and consequence. So God says, don't do that. God doesn't say, don't do that because he knows, man, that's so fun and he just doesn't want you to have any fun at all. No, God said that because he created life. He knows there's consequences to your actions and he wants you to enjoy life to the fullest. So don't do that because that's going to hurt. When God says, do this, you know what he's saying? Help yourself. God gave us his word as an instruction manual. And as long, don't miss this, 
as long as we walk within the boundaries and parameters of God's word. You know what he says? Blessed. Favor. Satisfaction. Contentment. Joy. But listen. The opposite is also true. Look what the psalmist said in Psalm 119 over towards the end of the psalm, Psalm 118. Look what it says on the screen. You have rejected all those who wander, means to go astray, from your statutes. That's another word describing the word of God. He says you've rejected. The word rejected means to put out, to exclude Here's what God says. I've given you these boundaries and parameters. I've given you these statutes and commandments. Not to rob you, but to help you so you can enjoy life. And as long as you live within those boundaries, my blessing and my favor is going to be on your life. But here's what it says. When you step out from those, God says, you're on your own. Let me show you something that I hope will help you get it. It's going to freak some of you out, but get over it. You're just superstitious. He just opened an umbrella inside. I'll break a mirror too. Watch out. Imagine this umbrella is the Word of God. Long as you submit and stay under the Word of God, God's protection, God's blessing, God's favor. But listen, the minute you step out from under the umbrella, the minute you step outside the boundaries and parameters that God's given in His Word, listen, God says you're on your own. Submitting to the Word of God, obeying the laws of God, is receiving the blessing and the favor and protection of God on my life. But the minute I step out from under that authority of the Word of God, the minute I think, God, I know better than you know, and I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to live by my rules, I'm going to create my own laws, God, you just don't understand my situation. Here's what happens. I remove the blessing and favor of God from my life. Now, now don't miss this. This, this principle carries over not just to your personal life. This applies to your husbands and wives. This applies to your marriage. You keep your marriage under the authority of the Word of God. Whereas husband and wife, you're living in obedience to God's laws, God's boundaries, God's parameters, God's precepts, God's commands. Here's what God says. I'll bless your marriage. You do it your way. You have rejected all those who wander from your statutes. Here's what it says. You're on your own. This covers your family. Mom, dad. Dad is spiritual leader. You lead your family to obey the word of God. To live with the word of God as the defining standard for the way you make decisions, the way you order priorities, the way you budget resources. You let the word of God be the defining factor in your life. Here's what God says. I'll bless your family. 
this applies to your business. You own your own business? Listen, you want God's blessing on your business? You bring your business under the authority of the Word of God, and you make sure in every way that you know possible that you are honoring the Word of God with how you do your business. Let me tell you what God says. I'll bless. You don't own your own business? You just work for somebody else? Listen, you just honored, submit, and you obey the Word of God in all those situations and circumstances. Let me tell you what happened. God will bless. You go through this book and you read the stories of men like Joseph and David and Daniel who did this principle and you see God's blessing and favor on their lives. Here's what the word of God says. God's word promises me God's favor. Put that Psalm 119 verse 118 back up on the screen. I want you to look at this verse again. Look what it says. You have rejected all those who wander. Give me that verse back up there. Wander from your statutes. Then look what it says. For their deceitfulness is useless. Here's what that means. Pretending to love God while you don't obey His word is a waste of time in the eyes of God. To give lip service to obedience to God while you know and God knows in your personal and private life that you're living in rampant disobedience to His Word. Here's what the Word says. The Word says, useless. You may think you're fooling some people, but you're not inviting the blessing and favor of God into your life. God's Word promises God's favor. Let me give you a second. God's Word produces in me Godly character. Say that out loud with me. God's word produces in me godly character. Look down at Psalm 119 verse 9. How how can a young man keep his way pure? I, I told you the Psalms were filled with just raw emotion, right? Here's the psalmist looking out at the world around him that is rapidly moving opposite of the laws and commands and precepts of God. And the psalmist has already written this verse, how blessed are those who walk in the law of the Lord. And he gets down to verse 9 and he says, how is that possible? You ever look out at the world and society around you and think, how in the world is it even possible to live godly in the ungodly culture that we live in? That's exactly what the psalmist is asking. That's a pretty honest question, right? God, how is this even possible? How can a young man keep his way pure? But then he answers his own question. By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I've sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Then verse 11 really gives us the insight. Your word I have treasured. In my heart, that I may not sin against you. The word treasured here, it's the idea of concealing something of great value. It's it's hiding away something that's precious so we can... Worship it, if you will. We can adore it. We can value it. 
Here's what I want you to understand about what the psalmist is saying. This is not describing an occasional or casual reading of a few Bible verses. He didn't say, how can a young man keep his way pure? By having a verse of the day and sticking it on the mirror in the car and that'll do it. No. This is not a casual or occasional approach to the word of God. He says, by treasuring the word. What he's describing here is a pursuit of the word of God to the degree that God's word is now rooted in my heart. And as I begin to pursue the word of God and I treasure the word of God and I hide the word of God in me, God uses his word to change me from the inside out. God has promised us a radical transformation. You see, Christianity is not just trying to change my behavior on the outside. Christianity is a radical change where the Spirit of God is at work within me, conforming me to the image of Jesus. How does that happen? Here's what the psalmist said. That happens as I treasure the Word of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to change me from the inside out. That's not just true here in the book of Psalms. This is taught in the New Testament. Let me show it to you. Paul, Paul who wrote 16 of the 27 books in the New Testament. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 5. He's writing about marriage, but there's a great point here. Look what he says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. How many of you have heard that phrase in the Bible before? Say amen. All right, most of us heard that phrase. The problem is we stop reading right there. What Jesus is doing here is he's using his relationship with us as an example of what the husband-wife relationship is supposed to look like. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here it's describing the radical love of Jesus for you and me, the church. He loved us so much that he gave. We sang what a beautiful song a moment ago. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ gave his life. He died on a cross. He rose again from the dead so that you and I could know and experience the love and forgiveness of God. But look what it says. So that. I've taught you to circle that when you see it in the New Testament. It's an important Greek phrase, hina. It means here's the reason why. He loved us and he gave himself up for us. Why? So that he might sanctify her. The word sanctify, I love what Spiros Zodiates, a great Greek scholar, he said that word sanctify means to withdraw from fellowship with the world by increasing fellowship with God. It says Jesus loved us, he gave himself up for us, why? So that he could withdraw our fellowship from the world and increase our fellowship with God. Well, how does he do that? By the washing of water with The, say it out loud, word. So that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. God set his heart on us. God loves us. Jesus loves us. He came. He gave his life for us so that 
He might set us apart for fellowship with the Father. And the way that he's doing that on a day in and day out basis is through the word of God. By the washing of water with the word. If you see it, say amen. Amen. Now, now, this is not a part of the sermon, but I just have to say it reading those verses, all right? here's, Here's two side notes. Number one. When a husband loves his wife as Christ loves the church, he'll be concerned about her spiritual purity. And let me just say this to all the single ladies in the room. If your purity is not his primary concern, he doesn't love you. I don't care what is coming out of his mouth. Let me say that again to all the single ladies in the room. Because he's saying it, I know. But if your purity is not his priority, he doesn't love you. I don't care what he says. Because the word of God says real love is modeled after the love of Christ for us. And the love of Jesus for us desires more than anything else our purity. And he gives us that in this expression of the example of husband and wife relationships, a loving relationship between a man and a woman. So that's not a part of the sermon, but just had to say it before we moved on, all right? Y'all all right? All right, let me show it to you, not just in Paul's writings, but in Peter's writing. Simon Peter writes about it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Look what he says on the screen. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power, whose divine power? Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us, now say the next word out loud. You got that, right? Say that word again. Listen to what he said. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, seeing that his divine power, by the power of God, he's granted to us, say the word again, everything pertaining to life and godliness. If your theology says you're waiting on something else to have what you need to live the Christian life, your theology needs to get in line with the Word of God. Because the Word of God says you and I have been given everything we need to live a godly life by the power of Jesus Himself. But let's read on. Through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent, say it out loud, promises. Where where do we find the promises of God? In the word of God. He's granted to us the precious, magnificent promises So that, here's the reason why, by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Here's what he's saying. God has already given us everything we need in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God in us that happened at the moment of conversion. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. 
And he said he gave us his word. And by his word, as we treasure the promises of God, that work of transformation that is Christ in me, beginning to live through me, I begin to partake of the divine nature. Now, it's Christ in me, living his life through me. How does that happen? Through my fellowship with God in his word. Let me give you a spiritual reality. There is no substitute in the life of a Jesus follower for time spent alone with God in His Word. No substitute. No shortcut. No three-week class you can go to. No weekend seminar. No sermon you're going to hear. There's no substitute in the life of a Jesus follower for time spent alone with God in His Word. I love the way my, my spiritual mentor, Clyde Cranford, talks about this. He says, look at it on the screen. Nothing sets the Christian apart from the world more than daily loving communion with God. It's no substitute. Let me show you another verse out of Psalm 119, then we're going to move on to the next principle. Psalm 119, verse 165. Look at it on the screen. Those who love your law. Notice he didn't say just who read it. Those who love your law have great peace. And nothing causes them to stumble. Here's what that means. There's a direct relationship between your time in the Word and your living the Christian life day in and day out. God's Word produces in me godly character. If you got that one, say amen. Let me give you a third one. We got to hurry through this one. Got to listen faster. God's Word ushers me into God's presence. God's Word ushers me into God's presence. The psalmist understood the reality that time in the Word of God is to be time spent with God. Say that again. The psalmist understood the reality that time in the Word of God is to be time spent with God. Here's what happens. The Word of God becomes the centerpiece of my conversation with God. You see, this is not just a book I read about God. This is a book I read. It's living It's active. It's a book that I read to be with God. And as I'm reading the Word, listen, the Word becomes the centerpiece of my conversation with God. Here's what that means. God speaks to me through His Word. God gives me promises through His Word. God gives me commandments through His Word. God speaks into the situations in my life. Through His Word. God establishes boundaries through His Word. God gives me wisdom 
through his word. God encourages me through his word. As I'm spending time in the word, God speaks to me through his word. But don't miss this. This is not a one-sided deal. I then get to speak to God in response to his word. When I'm in the word and God speaks and I see his commandments, I get to respond and talk to God about surrender. Yes, God, I God, I see that, and Lord, I know that's an issue in my life. God, I don't like that in me. Lord, today I I, I want to lay that before you. Or there comes that promise. Oh God, thank you. Thank you, God. For that promise. Lord, thank you that in your sovereign will, you spoke through the life of David a few thousand years ago. But Lord, because your word is living and active, that promise is as relevant for me today in 2014 as it was for David. Oh God, I thank you. Or or we get to read in the word of God and God speaks to us something about his character and we get to respond to God in praise. Where we just begin to, oh God, I worship you because of your faithfulness. And you see what happens the word of God becomes the centerpiece of my conversation with God God speaking through his word then I get to speak in response to God what God's saying in his word you get that let me give it to you in a spiritual reality time alone in the word is not a performance we do, but a presence we enjoy. If you think my time alone in the Word is something that I'm doing so that I can check it off today and somehow appease this God that I've I've done my duty today to read the Bible, you've missed the whole reason He gave us the Bible. He didn't give us the Bible as a do or a don't to check off a list. God gave us His Word as an instruction manual to speak into our lives about how to get the most out of life. And we get to use the Word of God as a centerpiece for our conversation with God. Let me show it to you in Psalm 119. Look at verse 18. You can tell the psalmist understood this. Listen to what he said in Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things. You know what he's really saying there? God, today, would you speak to me through your law? That's not a view of the law of some old dusty book of rules, right? God, would you open? It means to to peel back the veil. God, would you open my eyes that I may see? He says wonderful. The word wonderful in Hebrew is a word that means extraordinary. Things that are just above and beyond. God, today in your presence, would you open my eyes through your word? And would you speak to me? And would you just reveal something extraordinary about who you are? Let me show it to you in another place. Psalm 119, verse 135. Look what he says. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. You ever been away from home 
and called home and just said, I can't wait to see your face. Now, when you said that, you didn't want to just see their face, right? I mean, it wasn't like you just want to go, oh, I can't wait to see your face. No, what you really meant by I want to see your face is I can't wait to be in your presence. Look at read it again. Make your face shine. You know what he's saying? God, I want to be in your presence. Why? So you can teach me your statutes. Let me show you another place. I'm going to show you this one in the message translation of the Bible. It's paraphrase. It's, it's by Eugene Peterson. Listen to the way he, he translated Psalm 119, 165. Let my cry come right into your presence, God. Provide me with insight that comes only from your word. You see what the psalmist understood? God's word ushers me into God's presence. Listen to what Clyde Cranford, my my, my mentor, said again. He said, in these moments alone with God, we must patiently listen and allow him, if he so chooses, to guide us through what we are reading. When God is speaking through a passage, a phrase, a verse, or even a single word, We must not be in a hurry to go further. Why should we be in a hurry? God is in no hurry. Best illustration I've ever heard is of a father who wrote his son off at college a letter. His son had gone off to college for the first time and So the dad sat down and kind of wrote his son a, here's how you do it letter. Here's how you live life letter. Father poured his heart out in this letter and he, he sent it to his son. When he put that letter in the mail, his same day he put the letter in his mail, his boss called him and said, hey, you're, uh, you got to make a trip for us, uh, Here's a city you got to go to. We've already bought the ticket. Something's come up with work. You got to go take care of this situation. And it happens to be the son, the, the city where his son is in college. So dad gets all excited. He's going to get to see his son. So next morning, gets on an airplane, flies to go see his son and take care of this business. First day, there, he takes care of business. Second day, he gets to connect with his son. He goes over to his son's house, and his son is walking in from the mailbox. And he's going through his mail, and he says, Hey, dad, I. I got a letter here from you. (laughs) Dad says, hey, let's sit down and open it up and read it together. And the father and the son sit down. And imagine the son sitting in a chair and the father is just kind of sitting on the arm of the chair beside him. The son's reading the letter. And as the son's reading the letter, the father kind of says, hey, won't you read it out loud? Okay, okay, I'll read how blessed are those, and he stops and says, hang on, whoa, whoa, wait right here. Let me, let me tell you what I meant when I said that. Son, here's, here's what I want to say to you about that. And they walk through that letter line by line with a father just speaking into his son. 
Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to ever read the Word of God again without that visual. When you open this book in the morning, your Father is there with you. You are not going through a rote exercise. You are with your Father in heaven. And line by line, as you read this book, By the Spirit of God in a still, small voice, the Father will say, hold on right there. I want to say this to you. And let me tell you what you need to do when He does. You need to stop right there and just listen. And sometimes I'll I'll find myself doing that. I'll say, Lord, is there anything else? I don't want to move on past that until you're you're done. And listen, I don't want you to hear me describe this and think that every morning I open my Bible and it's like the windows of heaven just pour. It's not like that. It's not like that. All right, It's just like it is with you. Some days it's dry and dusty. All right? But isn't, aren't all relationships kind of like that? Some days the feelings and the magic and the emotion is there. Other days it's not. But listen, it doesn't change the reality of the relationship, right? The relationship just is real when you feel it and when you don't. God's Word ushers me into God's presence. I'm going to give you the fourth one. I'm just going to read it. We don't have time to unpack it. Here's what it says. God's, God's Word counsels me in my daily life. I would say we'll just come back and deal with it next week. problem is we've got so much for next week, we're not going to have time to do that either. Um, here's what this means. God counsels us through our time with Him and His Word. When, when people come and sit down with me and say, Pastor, I need some counsel. You know what the first question I always ask them is? First question, tell me about your time daily in the Word. Let me just make this statement. There's no reason to seek counsel until you first seek the Word of God. And you know me. I'm a believer in seeking counsel. I've taught you that principle here through the years. Never make a decision on an island. Always seek godly counsel. Wisdom demands we seek counsel. But listen, you don't need counsel from somebody else until you first sought counsel from the Word of God. If God God said something clear in His Word, it doesn't matter what the counsel says. Let me give you four statements. I'm just going to list them on the screen. You'll have to run with me, guys, with the screens. But here's the four statements. Number one, the word counsels me in the truth. There's a verse with each one of these. You can see it there. Psalm 119, 24. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Number two, the word increases my spiritual discernment. Psalm 119, verse 66. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. The word discernment is the ability to make good judgment. Here's what the word does. It increases my spiritual discernment. The word of God gives me greater judgment in decision making. Number three, the word gives me wisdom. Look at it. Psalm 119, 104. From your precepts, I get understanding. Understanding is the ability to see life from God's perspective and apply it in my decision making. From your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Number four, the word makes clear the right directions in my life. You know this one, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word counsels me in my daily life. For the word of God 
is living and active. Promises me God's favor. Produces in me godly character. Ushers me into the presence of God and becomes the centerpiece of my conversation with Him. And then it counsels me in my daily living. Are we giving the Word of God priority in our lives? That's just a few of the things the psalmist says about the activity of God's Word in our lives. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you for listening to this message from Hope Church. We would love to connect with you, so be sure to follow us on our social networks by searching Hope Church LV.